Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. I'm Bill. To my right is uh, Rich. How's it going, Rich? Hey, going very well. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And below me, we can see Russ from Retro Game Core. How's it going, man? Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon to everyone else. Yeah, I, I always like to say happy time zone. So happy time there zone to carry. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. How's everyone doing? All right. Uh, so if you guys are here for the very first time and you are listening to this on your favorite podcast player, then make sure that you check out the YouTube channel where we do this live on Tuesday in whatever the time zone happens to be for you. Uh, it's usually Tuesday afternoon if you are in New York and you can do the math on your own to figure out what time the show comes on for you. Or actually, YouTube will figure it out for you if you just go there and, and it'll tell you what time it comes back in. Uh, click the bell so you can be here for the live show. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're like, I want to be able to take these guys with me and listen to this conversation while I'm doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or whatever, then you can find us in where, you know, whatever your favorite podcast player is. But every week we tend to talk about the games we've been playing and the uh, gaming news stories of the day. Uh, but this this week I wanted to do something a little bit different. And it has to do with this thing. This is the Retroid Pocket Flip. If uh, you haven't seen it, Russ has an awesome video about that uh, that came out earlier this week. Um, I was setting this up, and one of the one of the games that I always start start with, uh, I started playing, and I was like, okay, I love this game, but I always run into the same problem with this game. Maybe this time will be the time. <laughs> that I actually stick with this game that I love so much from my youth. And it got me thinking about what would I change about this game if I were to get it remade today? So uh, I said to myself, you know what? We've seen some really, really good remakes this year. We've got the new uh, the remake for Dead Space. Uh, Resident Evil 4 remake is fantastic. Re Metroid Prime Remastered is absolutely awesome. Uh, I had a blast playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and Crisis Core Remake. And so I thought a good conversation topic for this week would be, what is one game that you want to have remade more than any other game? And, you know, what style would it be in? And what would you change about the game? So uh, I, I told everybody that we were going to be talking about this, and uh, I figure I'm going to start with Rich. Rich, if you could pick a game to get remade, yep. what game would it be? So I'm not going to pick a game that was great when it launched. I'm going to go with a game that was it, – it, it got really mediocre reviews. It's called Anarchy Reigns. It's a game from Platinum Games, the same people that made Vanquish and um, Bayonetta and things like that. Um, and it got, yeah, really mediocre reviews, but it was a really ambitious game. And I'd just love to see them kind of get another chance to do this. It was, yeah, multiplayer, like 16 players, I think. Uh, but it was brawling action, right? So not like shooting, but just hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, so a little bit like a fighting game, but taking place in a, in this sort of open battle arena. And it was a lot of fun, but like I said, it, it was rough around the edges, so... I'd like to see them get another crack at that one. Uh, so what what would you change about it, uh, if anything? I, I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I think, you know, it it one problem that I had is just there were not enough players. Um, so maybe there's something there where they could make it more of a better 
fleshed out single player experience. Um, I know that Street Fighter right now has sort of like the world tour mode, Street Fighter Six, where there you can actually walk around and beat people up. So maybe there's something to having a one-on-one experience there as well. So I, I don't know. I'd like to let Platinum figure it out and just get another try because, th- yeah, they're geniuses over there. Uh, have any of you guys played, what was it called again? Anarchy what? Anarchy Reigns. Anarchy. Have either of you guys played Anarchy Reigns? <laughs> no, I love Vanquish. That was a great game. Really good. So I never played it either, but just from what you were saying, I think that that would make a really good, and everybody's in chat is going to get mad at me and people are going to yell at me in the comments. I think it would make a really good BR, like a battle Royale with like 99 (laughs) players and only one person left. I think that that would be really fun. I know everybody loves to hate on uh, battle Royales, uh, but I think for that, actually, I love that idea. Yeah. Cause all the battle Royales, they all have the same thing. It's all, it's almost always, about um guns and -hmm. just having a game where it's about you know your special abilities and like being up close and personal i think that that is 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 really really cool um russ uh if you could remake one game that russ has probably got a thousand answers for this because he's (laughs) so heavily into retro stuff (laughs) but if you could remake one game you only get one which would it be (laughs) So uh, I thought about this a lot, and I got a lot of good responses in the YouTube community post that we shared. And uh, I'm going to go with the Metal Gear Solid series, like I and not even Metal Gear Solid, but Metal Gear, right? Like I mm-hmm. jumped into the series from Metal Gear Solid on the PS1, and I had no idea what was going on. They're talking about all this other stuff that had happened before. I'm like, this didn't happen. Like, what, what are we talking about? I remember the Metal Gear game, but I just remember it being a super hard game on the NES, you know. So I would love to see like all of that remade. And I, I don't know how they're going to really do that. I don't want it to be like a Mass Effect thing where they just kind of upscale the resolution and things like that. But I want a full on like repurposing of that entire storyline from start to finish, you know. And so I don't know how that would work timeline wise. They'd start with Metal Gear, 5, Metal Gear Solid 5 and then kind of work their way up or however. Uh, and yeah, maybe cut out some of those cutscenes. But I do think that that would just be fun is to have like a, a new entry into that entire series from start to finish, you know. Um, because just reading the Wikipedia pages is confusing. Now, now imagine playing the game, you know, with five year like increments between them when you forgot everything that happened in the last one. And so that's really what I would like to see is just some sort of reimagining of that entire franchise. And I know it's probably very unlikely with Hideo Kojima and all that stuff, but still. That's my well, hey, I'm not asking you what you think is most likely. I'm asking what's your <laughs> wish list. So you can you can say whatever you want. I have to make a, a, an admission. And people are going to be mad at me, as people often are. I never played any of the Metal Gear Solid games. Uh, a friend of mine had had it, and we played it for maybe ten minutes at his house, and then I just never. It didn't. It did. I wasn't like playing it and being like, "Wow, this is blowing me away." I got to play more of this because I only played a little tiny snippet of it, and I feel like that game is more of a slow burn. But I do remember like playing the original on the NES and like you know, giving the cigarettes to the guy and, and, you know, finding the flashlight or whatever the hell it was. I can't remember now. Um, but yes, that game was, was really, really hard. And, and I always got killed really, really quick. Uh, Carrie, are you going to be playing, uh, Russ's metal gear remake? Uh, yeah, there's actually, there's actually a bunch of, uh, Fox lore, uh, with metal gear. There was a, there was a long giveaway that I did that involved, uh, a bunch of metal gear kind of, deep pulls and one of the things that a lot of people don't know about with the original metal gear for nintendo 
is that uh, the password screen is robust. Um, and you can pretty much put in very specific things to create specific outcomes. Uh, and I, I use that as a means to figure out another part of the puzzle. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot to it. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of if they were to even do that, that's like a really cool thing. Yeah, but I'm on board. All right. And what, what did you want to have remade? So my game is something that I, I always bring up because no one plays this game ever. And I always come back to it. This is a game called final lap twin. Uh, this is, I played this in the nineties. Uh, and I was over my, my cousin's house and it's a racing game. It only advertises itself as a racing game. So the, the main point of the game is just to, you know, be that a, a kind of a sim arcadey type of racing game. But there is a secondary option, which is called story mode, which for me is the actual game. And I think it was just a throwaway thing that they did, but it's by far the absolute best, most amazing game ever. Imagine a Pokemon, right? Where you start off in the village and you go against the, the local champ. But in this, you are a racer and you're racing against the local champs of the village. Uh, and as you go through, you're upgrading parts to your car that have a better engine, better tires, better body. So you have all of these things that it's very RPG-like, but it's a racing game. And it remains to this day the best sports racing RPG I've played ever in my life. <laughs> and no one's the making <laughs> Yeah. So I've never seen anything like this. This is a, not the first time I've heard him talking about this. <laughs> I, I got to get more people to play it. Like, I'm like... I'm half a step away from just doing retro achievements, like making the achievements for Final Lap Twin myself, just so people <laughs> can play. Like, oh, there's an achievement list for uh, Final yeah. Lap Twin. Uh, it is, they don't make a bunch of sports RPGs, uh, and the few that do exist, some of them are kind of misses to me. There is a good fishing RPG that I like. But um, yeah, this like kind of weird take. So I would love a remake of Final Lap Twin, which is a racing RPG. Uh, and I want to see that done in a better way. Um, you know, all all kitted out. Some like Need for Speed, but like full on, mm. you know, campy, going against the village champ type of thing where you start off and you slowly level up until you get to the Grand Prix. And, uh, you know, very Pokemon-like, but just racing instead of little monsters. How do you mm. feel about the Mario sports RPGs? The yeah, so, yes, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, they're those are actually uh, pretty good. The ones by um, uh, the people that make Golden Sun. Uh, yeah, the yeah, they're they're good. Uh, they're I mean, they have a very Golden Sun feel to them. Um, like you know, just the aesthetic of it. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's the game that I would make. I would I would want. I don't. It doesn't have to be Final Up to it, right? It it just needs to be a racing RPG. In you know, good. I love the idea. Like you said, it's like Pokemon. I was like, okay, that's interesting. And I clicked on the the dang video, and then literally it cut to the overworld where the characters wandering around, and it looked like a Pokemon game. Uh, Jangmo in chat wants to know what is the fishing game RPG that you were talking about. Do you know? Uh, it's a Game Boy game. Uh, it's from the Game Boy. I can't think of the name, on it, but it's for the Game Boy. And it's actually pretty decent. Um, I played probably an hour of it and then never picked it up, but I, I was feeling it. So apologies, I don't remember the name. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. 
That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Right, Legend well. of the River King? Yes. Yes. I believe that is it. There Sweet. you go. Legend, Legend of the River King. Awesome. Uh, so the one that started this whole thing for me is a Sega Genesis game, and it's one of the ones that every time I go to play a new emulation device, I always fire up Shining Force. And I thought, okay, I love Shining Force, but man, oh man, there are a lot of rough edges. Like just going to a shop and buying the stuff that you want, it's like, I would like to buy an herb. Okay, here's an herb. Who do you want to hold the herb? Okay, I'm going to give the herb to this guy. Okay, now I have to buy another herb. And now who do you want to hold this herb? And it's just like the store system is such a chore to get through that like what I would really like to see is for that that friction to be removed from Shining Force as a game. And then, you you know, one thing that they could do, they could update the graphics so that they kind of look like Octopath. I think that that would look awesome. Uh, for those of you that never played Shining Force, I know that on Nintendo systems, there's uh, Fire Emblem is a very, very popular franchise where it's basically a tactical rpg uh turn-based system where you go in there and you're like okay i'm going to move this person over there and that person over there and then use this to attack and then it zooms in and you get to see how the different characters interact with each other and that's basically uh i went to look it up i already put it in the dang show notes that's basically how how shining force works it's very very similar to um fire emblem but i always liked this a lot more than fire emblem but man, the it just needs some polish to. It was awesome back in the day. I rented it and played it at home on my Genesis. But I absolutely love this one, and uh, I, I never played any of the sequels. Have you guys played any of the other Shining Force games? No, I've never no, really played haven't. any Genesis RPGs. You know, I uh, I've always been kind of admiring them, but yeah, I've never gone into them. Well, the problems with this aside, uh, like the friction with the the terrible store system, it's a really, really fun RPG. You end up having a base and you end up like recruiting people to come to join the, the Shining Force. And then you go out and you're like, okay, I'm going to bring these people with me on this particular mission. Uh, really, really fun game. So that's the, that's the one that I uh, recommended. But, you know, Russ, you mentioned it, that we... Uh, that we made a post uh, where we were asking uh, people to, you know, what did they think about this? And there were tons of really, really good answers. And I, I, I like that you were reading it and you noticed a lot of people were calling for Metal Gear to get a remake. Mm. Uh, so that's awesome. But one, some of the posts that I noticed, uh, some of the answers that I noticed in the post, we had uh, Rudo Helmy said Legacy of Kane series because overall the story is the best I've ever experienced in any game. I only ever played the first one of those. Um, That's the best one. 
that's the best one. Okay, I think uh, Richard, you had a video this week where you were, were weren't you playing one of those uh, Legacy of Kane games, Soul Soul Reaver? Oh, yeah, my emulation video had a good bit of like Soul Reaver two in it. So yeah, I was playing that. It's a good game. It's sort of you know got overlooked because of when it came out early on in the PS two life cycle, but it's probably just as good as Soul Reaver one. It just you know didn't get the love. Uh, then Ben C says, I'm on the record of saying the remakes almost always suck. I disagree on that. That said, Legend of Zelda Oracles <laughs> of Seasons and Ages in the same style as Link's Awakening for the Switch, please and thank you. Um, yeah, I'm all for that. I never played those two games. I had never played uh, Link's Awakening until it came out on the Switch, and then I bought it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a great game. I never finish games i ended up finishing that one so i would love to see oracle of seasons and ages in the same uh style as Link's awakening uh for the switch did you guys play Link's awakening yep yeah yep. both both the old one and the new one so russ you played yep. bo- both the old one and the new one do you have a preference i really like the old one because I think it's just so innovative, you know, like the fact that that's playing on a Game Boy is just crazy. I play the DX one, so the Game Boy Color one, but still, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, they call me Mr. Pips says Final Fight. That I always liked Final mm-hmm. Fight more than Streets of Rage, and I would love to see a new Final Fight game. We got a we got Streets of Rage four we did. Uh, a couple of years ago, and that game's absolutely fantastic. But Final Fight, I we haven't seen in a billion years. I feel like. And I would, I, I loved to play that uh, back on my uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, but they went on to say, Sifu proved the old school style beat 'em up can still innovate and sell well. Capcom has a deep history of the genre, and it's time to make a triple A comeback. Can you, can you make that as a triple A game? What do you, what do you think about that, Carrie? Final Fight as a triple A game, or like even just a brawler, um, an arcade, arcade brawlers are interesting. I don't know. You'd have to do something. Sifu at least is interesting in so far as that like it really gets into the dynamics of the fighting combat uh, mm-hmm. itself. And I think that is a good like uh, pivot to to make it a little bit deeper because most brawlers um, I mean typically the, the big move is just pressing two buttons together to do your like super <laughs> to like use up some of your health. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you know, Battletoads got remade, and that kind of just fell flat. So there has to be something bigger to it, other than the arcade sense there, because that's the only thing that is really driving people to like want to play it. But I think many people bounce off of it really fast. So there, there needs to be some hook there, like what they're saying, the person suggesting with Sifu. Um, there needs to be something there for that to happen. I think a leveling system like Shredder's Revenge would be like that would keep me going. You know what I mean? Because I really enjoyed that one. Shredder's Revenge was really good. Yeah, also, th- just I mean, getting, uh, go ahead. Yeah, Casey Jones just getting unlocking Casey Jones is uh, right <laughs> in and of itself. Reward. I, I really liked but, but like, Casey I Jones think, in every game. Yes, I 100 <laughs> percent agree with that. Hitting people with a hockey stick is yeah. very very fun. Um, the thing about the like if if they changed nothing about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, other than the sprites as to who they were, everything else is 100% the same. I don't think anybody plays that, which I, is a shame because it's awesome. I have to agree. I, I, I would, I'm, I'm going to agree with you here. I think that going heavy on uh, any type of like modern AAA-ness, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that would have been a wise choice. I think what the way they went was correct. All right. Uh, and then hey, finally, what, uh, say that oh. again. 
I was I was going to call out some community some comments, but if you got another one, then no, go ahead. All right. So there were some in the comments, a lot of good ones. Um, Kirby Air Ride was a good one, but there was one that was near and dear to my heart. I think it's Screenlight said uh, the Time Splitters trilogy, and I, that was actually one of the ones I was thinking about because I was also thinking about like Golden Eye and Perfect Dark, and just how those shooters have aged and how it'd be good to kind of bring them up to the modern modern standards and i think time splitters was that but we can do it again right in this generation so i think that would be awesome yeah that one was from travis and they said updated player player creation for maps in a a slash game mode um so being able to have players make their own maps for time splitters that sounds cool i never played time splitters so i know nothing about that but that sounds really cool um did anybody else find uh comments that like jumped out to them that the that you guys wanted to talk about uh, no, the only thing I saw from the moving uh, comments was time splitters multiple oh. times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, I never played that, so I feel like I must have missed out. But hey, you know what? We all missed out on some games because we either didn't have the money for them or whatever back in the day. Um, but I will say the most comments that came in were about Metal Gear Solid in that in that thread. So, uh, you know, the question is for all of you who are watching – what is the game that you would want remade more than anything else? What style would you want that game to be in? And uh, what would you change about the original game? All right. With that, all that out of the way, let's move on to our big topics for today. And the biggest topic for today, I think it has to be from our, our thumbnail there, and that's the Star Wars PC port is kind of a nightmare And this is not like the first that we've seen. We've seen a lot of games uh, have these PC ports that um, have just really not measured up, uh, especially when you're comparing it to other systems. Now, of course, there's there were people in chat before we even started the show and they were saying things like it's not just a PC problem. It's a problem on all on on all the systems. And that's that's absolutely true. People are running into issues on all of the systems when it comes to uh, this particular game. Uh, but it's not just this game. It's a lot of games have come out. There were, I saw a lot of people tweeting, yet another bad PC launch. And um, boy, it, it's just, it kind of makes you, you know, all of us have been playing a lot of games on our Steam Deck lately. And games like this are having trouble running on like really high end hardware. It's got no shot on, on something like a handheld, like the steam deck or the Asus ROG ally. It's just going to run like, like absolutely uh, like absolute garbage. And because of that, I think that it's something that we really need to talk about. So uh, Rust rich, you just dropped something in chat that I'm going to paste and go to, and we'll see what it says. Uh, he just pasted this in. It says full price beta testing. This is from Jez Corden on Twitter. Uh, and it, we've got Forspoken, broken at launch, Wild Hearts, broken at launch, Hogwarts, broken at launch. And it, it goes on and on. Last of Us, uh, Jedi Survivor, Redfall. Uh, oh, well, Redfall, we don't. Actually, Redfall, we do know about. I saw a video uh, this morning where somebody was like, yeah, it's a the PC version is a disaster and won't even launch. Um, Russ, you dropped this in there. Clearly, you have thoughts. Tell us. Well, I, I do. Or not, Russ. Okay, Rich. You, one of you guys got to change your name. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ticket. Russ, you you give thoughts. I dropped it. You give thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, my thoughts on this is just like, it's a Herculean task, you know, being able to make this work on all computers, but they should have made it work on 4090s. Like, come on, <laughs> of all of them, right? If somebody's paying, I don't even know what those cost. You guys can probably fill that in, but you know, a thousand plus dollars for a graphics card, uh, you should be able to play that game. Oh, well, yeah, simple. I mean, let, I mean, they tweeted, they tweeted this ridiculous statement out. They said, we're aware that Star Wars Jedi Survivor isn't performing to our standards for a certain percentage of our PC players, in particular those with high-end machines or certain specific configurations. Like, I, I tweeted out a snarky thing because I, I don't usually do that, but I was like, translation, <laughs> it's your fault for spending money, a lot of money on your computer and expecting it to be able to run a game. Uh, it's not our fault for shipping a game before it was ready, which is uh, ridiculous. Rich, what do you think about this? Yeah, so I actually wrote a script about this, so I think I have a lot of thoughts about this. That video may be coming out tomorrow if I have time to finish it today. Um, so a few things. Number one, uh, we talked about kind of, Russ, you mentioned a Herculean task of just wide array of hardware. So I think we do keep that in mind. Um, I think, you know, this panel in particular is kind of cognizant of that. I think also when we go back to talking about why we're talking about this on PC, it's really just because we are PC players primarily, I think. Um, certainly this is happening on console too, but, you know, the, this is, at least for me, this is the arena that I'm familiar with. Um, and then one of the things that I talk about in the video is, you know, there's the Miyamoto quote, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rush game is forever bad. But that quote's from like almost 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that today, a rush game can be eventually good, right? We have Cyberpunk, we have uh, Final Fantasy XIV, No Man's Sky. So we, we've seen bad games become good. Um, so then the question is, how much do we really care in terms of like, what are we willing to do about it, right? And so I guess the final thing I'll say is that like, I think that a lot of people are sort of content with the tools we have today whether that's Steam refunds, user reviews, um, posting on, you know, saying vote with your wallet. Like a lot of people are content to just leave things as they are and just not buy or refund the bad ports. And if that's the case, then I think we're going to continue seeing either bad ports or bad quality releases. What do you think about that, Kerry? Um, <clears throat> so I think there's a little bit of a deeper issue here uh because you know when you see all these particular games on pc having a real rough time and ps5 is kind of pulling ahead on all of them the only and like even like xbox series x being um uh, objectively better it has better heart it is more performant um than the ps5 uh but yet still falling behind the ps5 and the only thing that as a common denominator between all these games is that all of these games are base DX12. Um, there is no DX11, um, except for PS5, which uses its own API. They don't. They don't mm -hmm. do that. They have something that's similar, but that's different. Um, so that is the only thing that I would say that is kind of glaring is that you look at what um, AMD bringing about Mantle, which then was adopted uh, and became Vulcan. And also DirectX 12 adopted a lot of things from Mantle as well. And these are these were things that were low-level APIs that were supposed to uh, no longer be dependent on driver um, drivers to like bring performance up. 
and the mm-hmm. developers could now do it. And what we're seeing is now no one is doing it. Like every DX12 native game that is coming out is not good um, unless you have a, a good porting house doing it. Um, so this is like the one thing that, I, again, I'm not saying that I know this to be true or not. It's just that every game in that list that like from that Jez pointed out, they're all DX12. Uh, there is no DX11. Um, they're all doing something. There is some like weird uh, DX11 on DX12. And then likewise, the, a problem for Steam Deck is that they'll be running VK3 uh, D3, D3D, VK D3D instead of, you know, um, it, it's a compatibility layer, but mm-hmm. it's not as robust as DX11 to Vulkan. <clears throat> so yeah. that that's the type of thing that I was just would like say is like, if you looked at anything that was coming out of the DirectX group itself, they have seemingly begrudgingly started adopting features that were on older APIs. So um, it almost seems like they lost that war and they're just coming to grips that they need to now have the same type of mechanisms that older APIs had where it would be easier on the devs and it can fall back to driver development to get this back in shape uh, in some form. But yeah, I was reading a bunch of different game dev tweets about the newer version of uh, DX12 and the new features that they have. And people are like, oh, this looks like OpenGL now. <laughs> like, oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Well, I I guess the question is for all of you, like, does this stop you from getting these games? I mean, obviously these companies continue to keep making these games and I'm not blaming the devs. I blame publishers because publishers are the ones that say, okay, ship it now. And the devs, I'm sure, are sitting there saying it's not ready. And the publishers say, well, we need the money now in order to finish the development because the costs of making these huge games is staggering. It's a it's a very expensive thing. I mean, they're making a lot of money at the same time, but it's also really expensive to make these games. So... When you're looking at these AAA games, does that make you hold back? And are you are you less likely to pick up these games, uh, you know, on your PC when the PC seems to be a lot of times an afterthought? Let us know in the comments down below. Um, on a slightly related note, let's move on to another main topic that Sony has essentially said. All right, we're gonna. We're we're doing we're making money on these PC ports. We're making a lot of money on these PC ports. So you are going to see some more PlayStation games coming to the PC because we're making a whole bunch of money on it. But one of the games that we just talked about in our last section was The Last of Us, which had a terrible PC port. Um, like Fox tried to do a live stream of it, uh, on day one. And like, I went there and I watched his live stream and it was 
really muddy textures. And I am not a graphics snob by any means. I've I, I was I'm always very forgiving when it comes to that stuff. But I was like, oof, man, that's really ugly. Especially once he he paused it and pointed it out to me. Um, and the fact that like in order to patch the game. Or just to to get the game to run, it was like an hour of shader compilations before you could even see what would happen. Like during, I think it might have been our first episode, Fox was sitting there with his Steam Deck sitting on on his desk in front of him, compiling shaders so that he could do the live stream. You could burn past that initial two hours of returning your game at that point. <laughs> do, you, do you guys think that... Sony should maybe think twice about this, even though that means maybe we won't be getting these games. Uh, Russ, what do you what, what do you think on that? Well, from a consumer's perspective, I kind of don't really care because I've already bought and played most of those games. You know, all the AAA titles, I usually play them on the PlayStation. And so, but I want them on the PC, but I'm willing to wait. Like, I don't mind, you know, I'm going to wait till it's $40 instead of 60. And so all those bugs are going to get kind of hashed out. So I'm not... I'm not in that group where they don't have a PS5 or PS4 and they're like, okay, I can finally now play Last of Us. You know, like I'm not in that group. I'm more like, yeah, I want another platform to play this game that I love, you know. And so in that sense, me as a consumer, I don't really care because the bugs are going to work themselves out over time. It's kind of a shame that we're in this world where that happens, you know. A filmmaker can't sit there and release a movie and be like, oh, yeah, you know, that was, I mean, they have their director's cut. But all the same, like for the most part. When you release something in media, it's done, you know? And so that that one scene from Game of Thrones, like the and during the finale where everything was so dark you couldn't see what's going on, <laughs> that's it. That's the final cut. They didn't have a patch that came out later, <laughs> you know? But somehow uh, that's just the norm when it comes to gaming. And it's just unfortunate that that's become an accepted norm. Uh, so, uh, Richard, do you think that uh, – is there anything that we can do uh, to, to say stop shipping us – broken games and uh with patches that come out later because was what was the patch for uh the game what was the uh, star wars it had what was the 100 and, 118 gigabyte patch on day one jesus oh i didn't see that I, I think it was 118 gigs for for the day one patch which is bananas to me what what are your thoughts on this russ or rich uh so yeah in, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in terms of what we can do it it's tough right but i think if there is because the other thing i call out in my script is what russ said right i think a lot of us a lot of the people that are watching this video probably don't pre-order games probably don't buy games day one right like these are people me included that will wait for a sale and by the time the sale, by the time the game is on sale, the patches have already been incorporated. The game already works now, so it's fine. It's no big deal. Um, but if we wanted to do something about this, I th I would I would argue that vote with your wallet hasn't worked. Right, we're no. still the problem's getting worse. So I would vote that I would argue that that hasn't worked, and we would have to think about collective action, which is something that I would say gaming community and PC gaming community in particular is like allergic to, right? In terms of when I, if I use the word collective action, boycott, something like that, we're kind of like staunchly individualist, um, which I understand. So I think it would take a, a lot of work to sort of organize w some sort of effort to say, we don't want this anymore. Here's what, here's where we're willing to go to not have this happen anymore. Carrie, do you think vote with your wallet works? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think that vote with your wallet works um, to some degree. Um, it's some in some regards. It, it, there's <clears throat> there's a bit of a, a group think 
uh, thing that's going on in a lot of different circles. Uh, to answer the question, like for Sony making PC ports, I'm like thrilled about it. I am mm -hmm. so happy, uh, especially if PlayStation has no plans to make a handheld ever. Um, them coming to PC means that we will have that in some capacity because we can just do that ourselves. Um, but also, you know, I, I don't, don't need to buy a PS5 and I, I don't need to buy another console. Um, so it's something that I can buy it once in my library and be confident that I'm going to be able to play it 10, 15 years down the line just because I have a huge backlog. That's a big plus for me. And then also looking at Sony uh, having uh, acquired Nixus, uh, the PC porting group. Uh, they do a lot of work with Iron Galaxy. They were trying to do Last of Us Part 1 by themselves, and then that didn't get across the finish line. So now they're working with Iron Galaxy. And people have their own opinions about Iron Galaxy as well as a PC porting house. But you can see that the latest patches for Last of Us Part 1 uh, have improved things even on Steam Deck where things are still 30 and somewhat sub 30, uh, but now things are working properly. Shader compilation now takes five minutes. Um, so that's a huge improvement versus what it launched at. So there's things that they're, you can see that they're doing right. And at the same time, going back to the thing that I just talked about with Groupthink, uh, Redfall, right? Like everyone's talking about Redfall. When I saw Redfall, I didn't care about it. Like, I still don't care about it. I was joking around that it looked like Left 4 Dead. And the joke was that it was like, oh, that's Left 4 Dead. But everyone's like, it's not Left 4 Dead. And that was just the joke. And like, let it pass. And for some reason, everyone's talking about Redfall as if this was the game that Microsoft needed for Xbox to succeed. And by this failing, it's uh, the nail in the coffin. And I don't get it because I wasn't interested in Redfall <laughs> to begin with. So it's a weird thing to be like Starfield to me is their thing and that needs to land. Um, so uh, there's a the problem here about like the group thing here is that the problem with PCs having is that you have a bunch of different publishers and developers, Sony, Microsoft, other third party people coming out, uh, EA, and they're coming to PC and everyone across the board is stumbling real bad. Like you, it, it paints a bad picture and the problem is, is that people are now saying I need to go and play this on console only because I'm at least confident that I'm going to have the best experience that I could possibly have on day one, uh, even though I might not want to have that. I still prefer PC just because playing these games on any particular console, they're going to be locked to that console. And, you know, we look at this from the emulation end where the only way that you can play previous games is through emulation. That's a non-ideal situation we should always want to have a version that is native to pc that can play because it has so much legs and now with even valve going into the linux side of things and wrapping mm -hmm. older games the foreseeable future of playing these games is almost like guaranteed and there's just so much work between legacy windows happening and still running and Linux and Proton and Valve doing Vulcan work and all that other, these two trains going in at the same time, there's so much inertia between both of these to keep games playable into the foreseeable future that for me, I will always still buy PC. And I have too many games anyway, so I'll never buy day one. And the only reason I'll play day one is because of Game Pass and Game Pass alone. Um, so that's kind of where I am. I think that Vote Where Your Wallet still works, review bombing works. Uh, so you see on Steam where people have like over overwhelming negative. Uh, that is uh, uh, one of the only few things that we as consumers of games have as a mechanism to voice ourselves. Um, so yeah, I do think um, voting with our wallet works, but at the same time, 
what we're going to see is is that people are going to say, well, I know PC is going to be crap, so I'm just going to buy in PS5. Um, and this is kind of like, just like reading a lot of the stuff that is happening in the gaming community is like, it's kind of just ergo ipso facto, just buy on PS5 as the way to play day one games. And um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I can see that. I would say that, you know, you say that like review bombing is effective and I do think it's effective, but I also, I also think that, Far too often we see review bombing for the wrong reasons. Like they will review bomb a game, not because it's a bad game, but because they don't like something that happened in the game. Like something like some kind of thing happens in the game that they, you know, they don't like that thing. And so they're like, wow, I'm going to mark this as a zero out of a hundred or however it works. Um, And like, other than that, like maybe even if it, you know, you play through the whole game, and at the very end of the game, something happens. You're like, I don't like that kind of messaging in my game. I don't want it to have that kind of tilt or whatever. So I'm going to review bomb this game that I completed and say that it was terrible. And, like, that's the kind of review bombing that absolutely drives me nuts. But I don't think that you're saying that, Carrie. I think you're saying review games, like, review bomb a game if the game sucks. And I don't really think that that's review bombing, in my opinion. I feel like that's just reviewing a game that's like that is bad i don't look at that as review bombing right yeah you look at the pc ports that came out and how they'll Mm -hmm. be overwhelmingly negative citing performance issues that's a that's fair Uh, it happened to a bunch of them and that's that's a badge that they have to to wear until they fix it up and the good thing is is that valve and steam have put in mechanisms to kind of time stamp this stuff and people do actually re-review the games that they did once things get fixed. Uh, And as one of the only platforms that you actually see this happening on, just because it says overwhelming negative initially, generally speaking, I've never seen it stay overwhelming and negative if things got fixed. Um, That changes and you see it going to overwhelmingly positive just by by that fact. So um, that's really where my angle is coming from. I agree with you if it's just something ideological that is uh happening there then sure um but then there's like certain things like you know like uh, someone said that they some i think sega uh they wouldn't support the chinese localization and a big vocal group from china was like we want this in china why won't you do it and it's like well we don't think anyone's gonna do it and they just bombed it and uh that was for them not being able to be able to play the game for them to enjoy it like how they can't read anything so um that's a big vocal group that exists on Steam, and they have that right to do that. And you said, like, you know, you're looking at these games as, you know, they're they're doing poorly on PC, and it's going to push people towards the, the the PS5 version of the games. And I do think that that's absolutely the case. Like, if a game comes out on my PS5, I'm much more likely to play it there than on my PC, even though I could do it portably on my Steam Deck. But I just, I know I don't have to worry about anything. Like with my PS5, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And I don't have to worry about, oh, my graphics card isn't quite up to snuff. And so I end up playing over there. And so have 38 million other people. The PS5 sales tops 38 million following its best year on the market. I'm honestly surprised that Sony is saying, yeah, we're going to keep making PC games because clearly putting their games out, uh, like holding back exclusives and stuff is working for them. Do you think 
Russ, do you think that this it has anything to do with exclusives? Like, is this an exclusive thing? Because Sony seems to be the ones that are focusing on exclusives. Yeah. And we've talked about on the show before that every player in this market has their own, like, angle. Sony has always been exclusives. Microsoft has been subscription. Nintendo has been, we're friggin' Nintendo. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think that this $38 million ha- is about the exclusives? I do. So, you know, well, one, one, I think that the just the trend of the name PlayStation, everyone wants the new PlayStation. I think that pushes sales, especially in the United States. But for me, I think that they're doing it right because it's not quite exclusives, but more like timed exclusives at this point. Right. And so they're going to get people sucked into a franchise and say, OK, you can wait a year or six months or whatever to play it on PC or you can play it now while everyone's still talking about it. You just mm-hmm. got to buy a PS5. And so. I do think that there's a draw right there for that as well. I've done that. I mean, like I day one bought God of War Ragnarok and I actually took three days off from the channel and just played it and loved it. That was like best three days I've had in the past year. But I know it's going to come to PC eventually. I didn't want to wait. Like I, I was good with, you know, I had a PS5 and it just seemed like the right time, you know. And that's, I think, the kind of sales that they're looking for right there. And that's going to be enough for a lot of gamers, you know, to be able to say, oh, well, my friends are playing it and I want to talk about it with them. I don't want to have to wait six months or a year to be able to play it. And so, I don't know. I I think it is a good strategy. A lot of people are going to end up buying it twice if they haven't, like me. I I keep buying all these Sony games, (laughs) even though I've already owned them and played them on the PS4. I wish there was a cloud save like transfer thing because man it sucks starting over like horizon forbidden west or not forbidden west but uh, zero dawn and so yeah it's just been kind of a pain but that's my that's my thought on i think it's still smart they're, they're not getting away from their exclusives they're just kind of pushing the timeline back so rich with 38 million ps5s sold and not nearly that many xboxes sold do you think that can xbox can 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 microsoft catch up to Sony in this case at, at this point in the cycle. Do, do they want to, is that what they're looking That's, for? Ah, there's a great question. <laughs> I love that. That's exactly where I was hoping you'd go. Go ahead. Talk more. Yeah, I don't, they clearly haven't, but I know that. So I'm about to give two contradictory thoughts, right? Like on, on the one hand, I think they, they have not put a focus on hard, hardware sales. Um, and therefore they haven't put a focus on exclusives. I think, maybe they see sort of the reception to that and they've started to pivot a little bit, which is why perhaps why they rushed Redfall, perhaps why they're trying to get exclusives in this calendar year out. Um, But I think starting with Xbox series, they really put a focus on Game Pass and putting value into Game Pass and getting people, encouraging people to subscribe to that rather than buy a new xbox they didn't care where you play game pass just as long as you're giving them a monthly whatever it is 10 15 a month yeah that makes sense uh carrie you play a lot of game pass games i know that um do you do you care about exclusives uh does that push you in one direction or another or are you just like hey i'm gonna I, I have too many games to play anyway if i miss out on one who cares uh so it definitely matters with regard to the type of game that it is i think that um you look at the list of exclusives that came out and exist on playstation 5 to date nothing is actually super compelling outside of ragnarok at the current moment um you have destruction all-stars which no one even remembers Um, i don't even know what that is 
<laughs> uh, you have Returnal, which is a PS5 exclusive that exists on PC now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be clear, you're distinguishing between PS5 exclusive and PlayStation exclusive, right? So like you're not yeah. including games. Yeah. 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 So like what, yeah, if you have a PS4 or oh. PS4 pro, what do you get out of owning a PS5? And there's already a hundred million plus people that have a PS4 and they're getting PS5s to maybe play PS4 games better. Cause you look at, they sold 43 million PlayStation fives, but then on, there's another article coming around saying sales on games are way down and everyone's blaming $70 game, uh, game prices. So you have this weird juxtaposition where we sold, we record broken amount of sold PlayStations. No one's buying any games. So (laughs) what are they buying PlayStations for? I don't really get it myself. Uh, There's a, there's a whole weird thing in like looking at where Microsoft's going with Xbox. I still feel that they need to make a handheld and I'll still fight that to the end of the day. Uh, I'll die on that hill. Um, I just think that a very switch like console is uh, alluring for a lot of parents and stuff. But um, for Microsoft itself, they have a problem. And their problem is, is that, again, I, I play Game Pass games and I'm, I am an Xbox fan. I don't talk about Redfall. The only people I see talking about Redfall are PlayStation fans talking about how crappy it is. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Like they're, they're, there's, the Sony Defense Force is really out. And like anything that is coming out there, uh, they're dread, they're dreading Starfield, absolutely dreading when Starfield uh, comes out. Um, it, it, you look at it, it's like, well, Xbox has nothing that came out, and I say, well, what came out on PS Five? You have Ragnarok, um, you have Demon Souls, and Returnal, and Destruction All Stars. Oh, Astro's Playroom. I was gonna say, don't sleep on <laughs> Astro's Playroom. <laughs> Astro's <laughs> Playroom is, is really good. But, Great game. You know, we're 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 you know, what, three years out? And what do you mm-hmm. what what do you really have to, to show for it? Um, and I'm not saying that these are bad or that owning a PS5 is bad. If you have if you prefer PlayStation and that whole thing, fine, that's great. I'm glad you enjoy it. And that's that's great. But the, the picture that is painted is that there is this land of exclusivity that is just filled with rainbows on PlayStation's end. And there's nothing on uh, Microsoft's end. And it's different tastes that you have there uh you minecraft legends that came out which is a is a fun game but everyone just kind of like disregards that and like no one talked about minecraft legends it kind of just came and went uh halo infinite was actually a good game but it got so much uh bad press from uh you know people that were playing fortnite and there was just a different type of taste out halo infinite's multiplayer is tight like super super tight i enjoy it so much it's just that the people that play these live service games play other games so it's not that halo infinite was bad but the picture that got painted was this is a dying game this is a dead game and there's so much negative information coming on xbox's side that i don't really know what microsoft can do to stem the tide uh I, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. Games are very expensive. No one's buying games on PS5 yet. PS5 sales are are through the roof, uh, and it's just a really weird situation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to interpret this other than I'm not even saying I could forecast anything. It's just I don't even know how to look at this. I think next episode we 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 could have a conversation about the idea of seventy dollars games and if that is having an impact. Uh, so if that's a con- if if that if that's a conversation that you guys watching or listening to the show want to hear, let us know, because I I do think that that is an interesting topic. Um, About halfway through Kerry's rant, he gave me a perfect (laughs) segue to the next topic, 
but I can't remember what I was going to say now, but that's all right. Let's move on to the next topic, which is uh, all about, you know, oh, I remember now it was the, the Microsoft handheld, you know, Carrie has a, this awesome video about how the Xbox series S can, can mean that a Microsoft handheld is coming. And if you haven't watched that video, go watch it. Cause it's awesome. I'll try and remember to put a link in the description. If Carrie will send that to me. Um, the Microsoft handheld is not made by Microsoft. Uh, it's made by Asus. Uh, we've got May 11th or 12th. I can't remember what friggin' day it is. Uh, whatever day it is, it's like 10 days away or maybe nine days away uh, that we're going to find out more about it. But we got prices actually leaking. Um, we were last episode, we were talking about it that uh, Carrie had said that people were trying to read the tea leaves. And that the uh, Asus ROG Ally is. By the way, hold on. I'm going to stop everything for a second. Do you guys say <laughs> Rogue Ally or ROG Ally? Carrie? ROG. ROG. Uh, Rich? I say ROG. I saw someone, I think it was Tucky, say ROG. And I'm like, that that sounds good enough. It's faster to say. I might start saying ROG, but okay. I say ROG. <laughs> All right. So the price of the ROG. At, no, I can't say it that way. It's terrible. Uh, the ROG Ally, seven. Hundred dollars, six ninety nine, um, lower than the price that made me do a double take when when Carrie was was talking about it. Uh, so first off, let us know in chat what do you guys, what do you guys think about that as a price point? I really want to hear what you guys have to think about this. Uh, Russ, seven hundred dollars for the price point for the Ally. Before you go, the uh, that's for the Z one Extreme, the Z one, six hundred dollars. Uh, really weird pricing there. What's your thoughts on this, Russ? I'll tell you, I have not been paying attention to these price leaks because I don't want to get my feelings involved. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up and be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be that price and then get disappointed or surprised. I don't, I don't know. I don't have the emotional, like, headroom for that right now. Like, it's just too close to my heart. And so I haven't really been paying attention to those prices I, I take it with a grain of salt. You know, I'm, I'm always very skeptical about this kind of stuff. Those prices alone, yeah, it sounds great. It sounds amazing. It almost sounds too good to be true. And so I'm not even going to get emotionally invested in that price point. All right. I was about to say Russ, but I'm, instead I'm going to say Rich. Uh, Rich, yeah. <laughs> see if we can get this right with your names on yeah. my damn screen. Um, the, the $100 difference between the Z1 and the Z1 Extreme does that make any sense to you? No. Um, yeah. So I, a few people in my Discord and in the comments have brought out the conspiracy theories that this is just a way to make the Z1 Extreme look more attractive. I I don't know enough. I really don't know at this point. that The prices don't make sense to me. The other thing I saw was that the um, benchmarks, some people think they're closer than they expected them to be between the Z1 and the Z1 Extreme. So I was actually looking for kind of the Fox's thoughts on that. Carrie, your thoughts? Because the the next point was that it seems that it is, in fact, sort of memory bound. They, they are going with the dual channel. And so that that seems to be a factor. So is the the fact that it's memory bound here mean that those benchmarks will in fact be closer. And then that's why those prices make sense. I don't know. So that I was actually going to look to, to you guys for that. Carrie, answer the man. What do you think? I, <clears throat> yeah. So to answer it briefly, the reason why you see the Z one be, being so close to the Z one extreme is because uh, number one, they do share the same amount of memory bandwidth between both platforms. Having said that, 
uh, even though that it is three times less compute that it has, the the reality is is that the Z1 Extreme it, it doesn't need to go full clocks before it will saturate how much uh, memory it, it's it's getting in. It'll just be waiting on memory before it can do more work. Whereas the Z1 itself, it can just keep on pushing power and going up in clocks and be fed that same amount of of memory and work within that same thing. So it's almost like a very clear picture that you have right in front of your eyeballs that you can see without a doubt, we are severely memory starved on these platforms. Um, so what is happening here, and it's not saying they're, they're showing 30 watt TDP benchmarks here. And that's wise because that's going to paint the Z1 in a better picture because as we start down clocking and putting less power into these machines, that's where you're going to start seeing a bigger difference. And that's where the Z1 Extreme is going to find its footing a lot better because where this is the same argument that I made on the, the Xbox Trojan Horse thing, but also the same argument why the Xbox Series X uh, do, is a better machine than the PS5 because you look at the Xbox Series X, it has more CUs and less frequency, but gets more throughput more more compute and then you go versus the the ps5 and you look at they have less cus but they are put at the 11th hour they pushed frequency like crazy uh yeah. just to catch up to the xbox series x they're actually still behind but you look at the difference and it's like you know 10.4 teraflop on ps5 and 12 teraflop on xbox series x but the PS5, even though it has less power, is using more actual power. Less performance is using actual more power because it costs so much. The the the, the curve on power isn't linear. It's there's like a hockey stick growth in terms mm -hmm. of as you keep on pushing more frequency into something, it gets really out of hand. So this is where you're seeing where the Z1 is. You're just pushing a bunch of power into it. The memory is able to keep up with it, and we're getting into this area where. Um, it can match up with the Z1 Extreme, but it doesn't pay to any other picture than the Z1 Extreme being memory starved. But it's, if we looked at 15 watt and below, we're actually going to see better better numbers on the Z1 Extreme. In which case, Rich's point, the $100 difference doesn't make much sense to me at all. Yeah, so that, I mean, if, if it, the $100 uh, price difference doesn't make any sense, then that leads me to believe that this $700 price point is incorrect and it would actually be the $800 price point that would make more sense where it's $200 more expensive than the other one um I, I almost feel like they made a mistake by going with that smaller one but there you know there's people in in chat that are saying it's so that the the more expensive one looks more attractive you know it's it's the same thing that Apple does where they're like okay you got this phone you can buy this phone right. or for this much more, you can get this phone. And then you're like, okay, maybe I'll get that phone. And they're like, well, you know what? For, you know, if you want a little more storage, you can get this one. And mm -hmm. it friggin' works on me. I got the biggest, most expensive one because <laughs> I'm a dummy. But hey, you know, it's okay because I wanted it. I've bought it for a couple of years now and it's, it's fine. But I just, I think that that pricing is really interesting. Russ said something very interesting at the top, beginning of this topic. He said, I don't want to get my hopes up. If the price is a penny more than $700, this is like they should have already come out and said it. Like when that price leaked, Asus should have said, you know what? I know that we said we were going to talk about it on the 12th, but that's not accurate. For them to just sit quietly on it, I think that it has to be right. And I almost think that it's them leaking this on purpose just to... Mm -hmm. 
kind of get us to, to constant. It's working to get us to constantly talk about <laughs> talk this about over it, and yep. over and over again. Because every week for three weeks now, we've been talking about the ROG Ally on this show. So <laughs> yeah, they've and, got our they've got our number. Go ahead, Rich. I'll echo that. Right, like I kind of took the opposite route that Russ did and I got really invested. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> this is super exciting. And so, yes, I'm in the same boat. If that thing is $700 and one penny, I'm going to be devastated. <laughs> right. You know, it reminds me a lot of, you know, bringing up the iPhone is remember all those iPhone leaks, you know, back in the day, you know, when they were just like, oh, yeah, this is what they're going to announce here at this next one. Right. And if they didn't announce those things that were kind of like even like CNN was covering like, hey, these are going to be the leaks and it wasn't those, then people would get disappointed. But then in hindsight, you're like, well, they actually did bring up a lot of neat features and stuff like that, you know, but it's like this collective reasoning of why something should be how it is before the company even gets to announce it. And so I think I learned my lesson from those iPhone things because I used to get like emotionally caught up in it, too. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to see this new feature. And then they wouldn't do it. And I'm like, oh, this thing sucks. I'm like, wait, that's not how I should be thinking, you know. And so that's why I've just kind of, yeah, I've been trying to ignore all that stuff. Well, here you're probably doing the healthy thing. Um, here, here's a big question. That's one of the things that a lot of people complained about with the Steam Deck when it first came out is battery life. And I know we're bumping up on an hour already, so we're going to have to keep this pretty short. Uh, but in your base, I like that name, uh, in chat, mm-hmm. they said any word on battery life. And my answer, as somebody who's not super technical, my answer has always been, it just depends on the game. Right. But I think what what they're saying is, you know, apples to apples comparison. If I'm playing Monster Hunter Rise on the Steam Deck and I'm playing Monster Hunter Rise on the Asus ROG Ally, am I going to get more battery life than I would on one or the other? Now, I'm not 100 percent sure, but has Asus said how big the battery is in this thing? Rich is saying yes. What's the battery in this thing, Rich? 40 watt hours. So the same as the Steam Deck and their marketing, I want to make sure I distinguish that, right? Like their marketing has said that you can get the same battery life as the Steam Deck at 15 watts TDP, but you'll get 50% more power, basically 50% more. I don't know that that's again, where we go to the marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would again, defer to the Fox on whether or not you might actually get that battery life because, um, the Fox has a good video on sort of how Steam Deck differs from other um, handhelds when they say 15 watt TDP, what that actually means. Yeah, so there, uh, we it remains to be seen when, when we get them. But <clears throat> somewhere along the line, AMD kind of switched course. And the SMU, the, 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 part, the component on the package that controls uh, power tables and frequency and whatnot on these devices, they switched how they were... Uh, averaging TDP, like how they were doing it. Um, it used to be 80-20, uh, and that's like on Renoir, Vega stuff, uh, meaning that um, if you were to take a look at, uh, because the CPU is is constantly like ping-ponging around saying, okay, this CPU you can do there, and it's actually actually coming up and going to sleep, trying to be as uh, power efficient as possible. What happens is, is that because you are saying, okay, use 15 watt, go to sleep, if you were to just do that all the time, if you average that out, you'd get like seven watt. So what they have to do is they have to have an allowance for going over 15 watt. So mm-hmm. that is where the difference of this comes in versus the 80-20 versus the 50-50 that the Steam Deck and also a lot of 6800U things do. It used to be on 4800U that if you ran on 15 watt TDP around 
like 1% of the time, you would hit 20 watt, like the, the, the package could go to 20 watt, can burst to 20 watt. On the Steam Deck, that bumps up to 8%. And also for other uh, bursting. So it's it's an eight, you know, an eightfold increase uh, in that a burstable uh, allowance. So that's the main difference. And that's where things get a little hairy. It used to be that 15 watt TDP total system power was around 22 watt. And then with the Steam Deck and then later 6800U platforms, that went up to 27 watt. This has a lot to do with how they're they're doing things now. So this is where the question mark is for the Asus ROG Ally. If it remains the same and SEMU is still in this type of burstable way of the 50-50 burstable package, then yes. 100% you should anticipate if you put 15 watt on both platforms, both of them are going to get around 85 minutes of battery life. Um, and that's if you maintain load, right? Like if you consistently have the same load going at that time. So what, usually when I say 15 watt TDP or any TDP, I usually there's always like a subtext under there that I mean at load at all times. Obviously, games don't do this. There could be lots of reasons where something's happening where you could be in one thing. But if you look at a wall, you know, frame rate is going to jump up and the amount of power to look at a wall is nothing. So that's the only where differences come in, right? Like uh, whenever, when I say these things, I mean at load. So you're consistently using that power. Basically, mm-hmm. if you were to put both scenarios at the same thing, generally speaking, if it has the same type of burstable p- profile, then yes, you're going to get pretty much exactly the same um, battery life, but have better performance on the Asus RG Ally. But then you've got Windows is uh, a different factor as well. I've seen a lot of people talk about that. Carrie is saying, no, Bill, shut up. You're wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, no. Yeah, no. I mean, you're you're still bound by the same uh, TDP that is um, it, it, the SMU is going to basically dictate how power is divided. And this changes based on if it's a CPU-only workload or a gaming workload where you have mm-hmm. to uh, it, it put all three parts in there, CPU, GPU, and Encore. So you're you're still have the same cap now you could say that windows is going to have other crap running in the background you can have some nonsense background process run that will make performance get less at where a steam deck is going to be very streamlined so there are background processes that i'm not going to argue that on some people's machine if they install a bunch of crap and just have stuff running in the background that's non-ideal Yes, that can happen. But generally speaking, you're not going to come into when you think about telemetry and all the other stuff. When you look at the apples to apples of it on a, on a clean system, on a clean Windows 11 install, you're not going to see uh, any dramatic difference. It, it, battery life is not going to change as long as you keep the cap the same, because that is the allowance that you're giving to the package. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to go over what it, the SMU dictates to Ken, which is understood between both of them. Oof. That was a highly technical answer, and I really like that he said burstable over and over and over again. <laughs> That's a fun, fun word to say. Uh, well, uh, we were going to talk about the Microsoft Activision deal being blocked. We were going to talk about the fact that the, uh, the cloud gaming providers uh, were like trying to say, hey, Microsoft is doing okay by us, CMA. We were going to talk about the fact that Zelda leaked and that the Armor Core 6 trailer dropped, but we just don't have time to fit all of that stuff in the show this week. So 
If you want to see, maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff next week, then make sure that you uh, head on over to youtube.com slash and subscribe. Turn that on. Make sure that you subscribe to The Fox on YouTube, Fan the Deck on YouTube, and Retro Game Core uh, on YouTube as well. And if you want to listen to this show uh, on your favorite podcast player, then do us a favor and rate us five stars and leave a review because it absolutely does help. Uh, but that does it for this episode of the nerd nest podcast and i want to say thank you to all of the people who are here for the live show uh and i think that it's time for us to get out of here so gentlemen uh tell everybody to have an awesome day and i will hit the finish and stream button (laughs) see you guys have an awesome day have an awesome day